0: Well, good morning, Golden Corner Church. Good morning. I love this second group. I just love to come and preach. Not that I have anything against the first group. I'm kind of fond of them, too, but I love you guys. I love coming to preach to you guys. Uh, I want to kind of jump right into the sermon this morning. And for those of you who weren't here last week, I started a new series entitled The Power of One. And what I want to do today is just call a quick timeout and I want to make sure that we as a church are all on the same page. Before we get any deeper into the series, this is something I would like to do. Last week I told you that I want to go to Church to be a transformational church. Now you need to know that. Uh, God in His grace has made me the senior pastor of this church. And you need to know the direction I feel like He is leading us. I want us to be a transformational church. You say, what does that mean? I want lives to be changed at Golden Corner and through the efforts of Golden Corner. I want to see unsaved people saved, and I want to see saved people growing. I want to to be a part of a church where we witness Jesus changing people's lives for the better and changing them forever. Forever. Now, I'm hoping that if you consider this to be your church, that that's exactly what you want from Golden Corner. And we learned last week what it took, what it was going to take to be a transformation church. We learned, first of all, it takes God, because only God can change a life. But we also learned that it's going to take teamwork, because God has chosen, for whatever reason, I don't know, to use people to transform other people. And in particular, he has chosen to use people who work together as a team to transform lives. Now, I think the most important lesson we learned was we learned the power of one. This is what we learned. If any member of a team chooses not to do his or her part, someone's life isn't going to be changed. That's the power of one. So here's what, and I'll have more to say about that in just a minute, but here's what I want to do. Give me the next few minutes because there's some things I want to make sure that we as a church understand. I want you to make sure that you understand what it is that Golden Corner Church is trying to do. I want you to make sure that you understand that uh, why we are trying to meet this particular objective. And I want you to know how it is we're going about doing this. And so I'm answering three questions. What is our mission? what is our motivation, and what is our method. Let's start by talking about our mission. Now, I know this, I know this, before we go any further, I know that as a preacher, I am now venturing into no man's land. I'm talking about, I'm speaking on a topic that typically is guaranteed to kill a church service dead as a hammer. Uh, You and I both know this. If you've been in church any length of time, the average person attending church has never asked this question What can I do for my church? The average person asked this question alone What can my church do for me and mine? So I know that in many ways I'll spend the better part of this sermon answering questions that few are asking. And you may, you may ask yourself, well then why are you doing it, Ronnie? If, you know, why not just stick with topics that you know are interesting to us? Well, the truth is, church is not all about us. First and foremost, church is about Jesus. And you know what Jesus wants? He wants each and every one of us to be a missionary. We are people on mission, whether we really like to talk about that or not. We're people on a mission, so what's our mission? Well, this is the Golden Corner Church mission statement. Golden Corner Church helps people find and follow Jesus. That's what we do. Everybody's looking for something. We would all agree on that. And at Golden Corner Church, we believe that everything they're looking for can be found in Christ. Everybody's looking for that missing piece. That missing piece to their life that if, if I had this, if I was experiencing this, well, my life would be full. They're, they're looking for that missing something that if I just had this, my life could just be rich and satisfying. Well, where do you think they could find that? You know what I believe? I believe they'll find it in Christ. The reason is, and you're probably familiar with this verse, it's found in John 10, verse 10. Jesus said, and it's a direct quote, my purpose is to give people a rich and satisfying life. He's not talking about, you know, walking streets of gold in that verse. He's talking about in this life. He came to give us a rich and satisfying life. Everybody's looking for someone. Someone who will love them unconditionally, someone who accepts them as they are, someone who would never leave or forsake them under any circumstances. They're looking for security in a relationship like that. Where are they going to find it? I believe they're going to find it in Christ. He wants us to have a relationship with Him, He wants us to be best friends. And man, what a great best friend He makes. But, you know, so everybody's looking for something. We believe everything they're looking for can be found in Christ. But here's the big problem. Most people don't know that everything they're looking for can be found in Christ. Consequently, they waste a lot of their lives looking in all the wrong places. Most people don't know that anything and everything they're looking for they can find in Christ. But we know. We know that. We know Not only what it is they're looking for, we know who they're really looking for. So wouldn't it stand to reason that we should help people find Christ? Sure it does. Matter of fact, I'll go go one up on that. I think it's our God-given responsibility to do so. Let's read a verse from the New Testament. It comes from the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Let me set the stage. Jesus has already been crucified. He's already been raised again. He is right on the brink of ascending back to go to the Father. He gathers the leaders of the church together. And he said, now, you know, here's what I want you to do from this point forward. That's what he's saying. Here's what you're going to do for me. Look what he says. He said, but but you will receive power or ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And in a later sermon, we're going to talk about that in depth. He said, and you will be my witnesses. Now, as his witnesses, what were they going to be doing? Look at this. Telling people about me. This is what he's telling his church. This is what I want you to do. Tell people about me. Everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we know that everybody's looking for something. We think everything they can, you know, they're looking for can be found in Jesus. But here we're starting to see something else. Not only are people looking for Jesus, Jesus is looking for people. So you know what our job is as missionaries? Our job as missionaries is just to try to get the two together so that hopefully people will accept Christ and be saved. So we help people find Christ, but that's not all we do. We also help people follow Christ. You know, when somebody accepts Christ, do they find everything they're looking for at that moment? No, probably not. I think they'll find a lot That they were looking for. But to discover everything they're looking for. they got to take it a step beyond accepting Christ. they got to begin to follow Christ. You say, Ronnie, what's the difference in the two? Uh, People who follow Christ. um, They not only see Jesus as the one who got them out of all the trouble sin got them into. People who follow Christ see him as their mentor. Life coach, personal trainer. Biblically speaking, we would say it like this. They see him as their Lord. That he's in the position of absolute authority over every area of their life. So you know what they do? They constantly seek out his leadership. They constantly yield to his authority. And they constantly obey him one step at a time. That's what they do. Accepting Christ is a once-in-a-lifetime event. Jesus said it's kind of like being born. Following Christ is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day, lifelong process. Accepting Christ is the first step we take. Following Christ is the next step. And it is in the process of following Christ that we begin to experience this personal, intimate relationship with Him. It's when we begin to experience this Rich and satisfying life, and it is in the process of following Him that we come to understand wow, in Him I found everything I was ever looking for. Hey, man, if we know that people are only going to find everything they're looking for in Jesus if they follow Him, wouldn't it stand to reason that we would help people follow Him? Sure, it would. Matter of fact, I think it's our God given responsibility. Let's read a few more verses together. It's Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Uh, by the way, these verses are referred to as the Great Commission, a commission being a mission. And what's happening here is it's very much like the verse we just read. Jesus has already been crucified, raised from the dead. He's gathered the 11 men who would become the foundational leaders of his church together, and he is giving them the great mission. Here is the great mission I want my church to fulfill. Look what he says. It said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Okay, pop quiz. How much authority does Jesus have? Where at? Got all authority everywhere. So Jesus is very clear here. Guys, I'm in charge. And so I've got a right to say this. And you've got a responsibility to act on this. And what did he want to do? He said, therefore, go and make, key word here, disciples of all nations, He said, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these new, what's that word? Disciples, to obey all the commands or follow all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus sits down and said, here's the great mission you're going to lead my church on. I want you to make disciples. Now if you study that word out, a disciple was someone who had accepted Christ, therefore they're saved, but there was more to it. They were also following Christ. Therefore, they were being transformed into a Christ like individual. So, here straight from, from the mouth of the head of the church, Jesus said, Here's what I want help people find me and help people follow me. Thus, our mission at Go to Corner to Church is to help people find and follow Christ. That's what we're trying to do. Yes, Ronnie, why are you telling us that? If I were to ask you, What's my number one responsibility as a pastor teacher? I mean, what's the big deal for me? Bottom, what's my bottom line? I wonder what your answer would be. Because I found the answer in the New Testament book of Ephesians. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, as a pastor teacher, my responsibility is to help you succeed as a missionary. Man, that's, that's the big deal for me. That's the main thing I'm trying to do. Listen, individually individually. Janice, I'm trying to help you be a successful missionary. Uh, Brandy, I'm trying to help you be a successful missionary. Corporately, going to going to church, I'm trying to help us be successful in executing the mission that Jesus has given us. That's the big deal for me as a pastor teacher. Now, how is this supposed to help you? How are you going to succeed? How are we going to succeed? If we don't know what to aim at. Man, several years ago, my son Jonathan and I got up early on a summer morning. And we went up to the rifle range to do some shooting. And it, Listen, it was pretty much dark when we got there. We, just, we got just enough light that we could see to go put our targets out, set our sandbags up, you know, and get everything ready so we could shoot. We're well, just about the time we're ready to shoot, out of the corner of my eye, I see a man and woman are joining us. Now, I'm not the judge. You got it? So I want you to understand. And so, even as I share this story, don't judge me, even if it seems that I'm judging them. But when I saw them, my first thought was, well, that's odd. And you know, that may sound like the pot calling the kettle black for Ronnie Hodge calling anybody odd, but I thought, that's odd. The gentleman had on a wool. Stocking cap. Now, remember, this is a South Carolina summer morning. Wool stocking cap. And he had on a jacket. I thought, well, perhaps he's on blood thinners. And what's incredibly hot to me is cool to him. I, I, I and there was a woman with him. Not a child, not an adolescent a woman. And, and she was carrying a baby doll. A big old plastic ball-headed baby doll. I tell you, man. Don't, ju- don't judge me here. I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack, but to me, I thought, this is kind of odd. When well, a guy, he walks straight up to the firing line, and I see that he's got in his hand a Smith & Wesson Model 29. Now, who, does anybody know what that is? It is a forty-four Magnum revolver. It's the one with the 8 and 38 inch barrel. It's the one that Clint Eastwood used in all the Dirty Harry movies. He walked straight to the firing line. He never says, boys, can I put up a target? He didn't walk out and put up any targets. He raised that big gun and boom, dirt went everywhere. And as he shot, he began to curse. You blankety, blank, blank. Then he did it again. Boom. And the, and the expletives were flying. Beep, beep, beep. And he did that until he emptied the gun. And then he turned and he looked at me and Jonathan. And, of course, we were looking at him. We were confused and somewhat frightened, i got to be honest with you. And when he looked, we just turned and looked straight down range, like, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. Just pretend this is normal stuff. But I could feel the glare, you know, I could feel it, and I, I do like this. And he's, he's staring at me, like, got that big hog leg in his hand, and he's staring at me like this. I'm thinking, uh, I'm either going to have to fight my way or shoot my way out of it. So he starts toward me. And he, he, he comes down and he, he walks right up to me. I'm thinking, do I jump him now? I mean, what do I? I'm so, I kind of I figured he's approached me. He's got something to say. I'm waiting. I'm going to say something. He doesn't say anything. I'm thinking, what do I say? And I, I'm scrambling. I go, uh, nice gun, dude. <laughs> he said, you want to shoot this thing? I'm thinking, well, I just want the gun out of your hand. If it means into my hand, I'll take it. So I took that big forty-four Magnum, and he gave me some ammunition, and I had my target up there, and I shot. Boy, this dead center of the bullseye. You know what he did? He cussed. Why are you blankety blank, blank? you know? So every time I shot man, just kept stacking them right in the bullseye. He's cussing every shot. So I hand it back to him, and he goes, Well, I guess we know it wasn't a gun. Now, at this point, the teacher in me, I've got an object lesson. A word of wisdom I wanted to pass him. Just as about to say, man, I think there's something to learn from this. He turns to the woman sitting there. He asked her the same question he asked me just minutes ago. You want to shoot this thing? To which she replied, yeah, if you'll hold the baby I whirled around and looked at Jonathan and said, Breakfast? you bet ready for breakfast? Man, he's, already, he's already packing stuff in the bag, man. Like, you know, they might need some family time here. <laughs> you say, if you had had a chance to offer the word of wisdom, what would have been? I would have said, it's obvious that the difference was not the gun. I'm not 100% sure the difference was the shooter. The difference probably was I had a target. I aimed at the target before I squeezed the trigger. That's why I hit the target. I want to say, sir, you've proven an age-old saying here today. Aim at nothing, hit it every time. Guys, listen, I want you to know what we're aiming at. We're aiming at helping people, men, women, teens, children, find and follow Christ. Don't make a mistake about this. Our aim is not to prepare for and have meetings. Big meetings, little meetings, children's meetings, teens meetings. You know, that's what we do here. We prepare for, execute, have these meetings, and that's our purpose. And well, our purpose, if you're not going to prepare for and help execute the meetings. Your purpose is to attend the meetings. Listen, I want you to understand that everything we do here, from singing songs to preaching sermons to greeting people to teaching the kids, sending people overseas, everything we do, we're aiming at something. We want to help people find and follow Jesus. you got to know that to be successful. So, okay, next question. That's our mission What's our motivation? To answer that question, we've got to read some more verses. And man, be patient with me because I've got to tell you something. We've got all kind of time. And when you leave here, it's so hot you can't breathe. You might as well sit here in the air. Right? Huh? You say, I'm getting kind of tired. Take a nap. It's on me. I don't care. It's fine. That's fine. If I was sitting out there, I'd probably be dead asleep too. So, I told you, no man's land. I'm kind of drifting in that nobody's interested in but. We've got to be interested in this. So why we do this? Let me get back on track. Let's read some verses. They're going to be found in uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40. And these verses, by the way, are referred to as the great commandment. Let's read it and we'll kind of explain it as we go. It says, but when the Pharisees, religious guys, heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, so other religious guys, with his reply, they met together to question Jesus again. One of them, an expert in religious law, you know what you call that, don't you? That's a jackleg. So, an expert in religious law tried to trap him. Look at this. Tried to trap Jesus with a question. I'm going to outthink him. That's what he's thinking. Well, I'm going to out—I'm going to outfox Jesus, outthink him here. That's what I'm going to do. Here's what had happened: some religious guy had sent a delegation down to Jesus. They ask some little tricky questions to ask. They want to ask in public because this is what they assumed based on his answer. We're going to discredit him. So the sad—they're called the sad. Sad, Isn't that right? Sad. You see, sad. You see. They, it's, what, who would think to do that? So they go in the, and Jesus' reply left them speechless. It embarrassed them. So you call that stupid? But man, you call really stupid what the Pharisees were thinking. The other religious group said. To themselves, well, what they couldn't do, we can do. We can trip him up. So they sent their best man down. He goes into the meeting. You can see him kind of got his, he's loaded here. He's got his question. So he fires the question. Look at the question. He said, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? <laughs> Tell us. We're only going to do one. What's the one we got to do? Look what Jesus said. Oh, okay. You want one? Here's one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Well, before they can say anything, Jesus chimes in and said, Oh, yeah, yep, yep. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. In other words, if you get this right, you'll get everything right. In these verses, we see that we're commanded to love God and love people i got a question for you. How do you know if you're obeying that? How in the world do you know if you love God? Would you say, man, one time you were sing- this group was singing Amazing Grace. Start singing me. Of course, if, if, if I'm singing Amazing Grace, see, we're, in, we're in a really short-handed worship team. But one time, Ronnie, you guys were singing Amazing Grace. I teared up. I think that means I love God. Listen, I'm glad you teared up. I've teared up a time or two in Amazing Grace. I don't know if that's evidence you love God. Well, Last year, Ronnie, we read the Christmas story together. I just got this warm feeling down here. I I think maybe that means I love God. Well, I'm glad you do. I get that feeling at Christmas. How would you know? Did you know that the Bible doesn't leave it to guesswork, but we're told very clearly how to tell if we love God, if we're obeying? Look at this. Jesus said, John 14, verse 21, Jesus said, those who accept my commandments... And obey. You see that? Obey. They obey them. They're the ones who love me. Those that know what I want them to do and they just do it. That's proof that they love me. 1 John 2, 5. John says, but those who obey. There's that word again. God's word. Truly show how completely they love him. 1 John 5, 3. uh, John says again, loving God means, this is pretty clear, keeping his commandments and his commandments aren't burdensome. Bottom line, people who love God keep His commands. You see, love aims to please. When we truly love God, we will seek to please Him by doing what He wants us to do. And what does He want us to do? Well, according to Matthew 28, He wants us to make disciples, which means that we help people find and follow Him. That's how you know if you love God, you are really trying to do that. How would you know if you love people? First John three seventeen. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, in other words, doesn't act, how can God's love be in that person? Let's let's paraphrase that. I think what John is saying this: if you if you see someone in need and you have the potential to meet that need, and you don't meet that need, the problem is you don't love that person. You know why? Love acts. Love gets involved. If we genuinely love people, we know that everything they need can be found in Jesus. We'll do everything in our power to get them to Jesus. The Great Commission outlines what we're to do. The Great Commandment tells us why we are to do it. If we are going to fulfill the Great Commission, we must be motivated by love for God and love for our fellow man. Now, Ronnie, why are you telling me this? Here's the truth. If you try to do this, let's say out of guilt... Um, You try to do this out of duty, you try to do this for any selfish reason whatsoever, you won't succeed. You won't. If you if you the only way we pull this off is if we try to help people find and follow Christ because we really love God and we really love people. You say, why do you think that is? I'll tell you why. If that's not your motivation, At some point, you will abandon the mission. You will walk away from it and go, I'm not doing that anymore. You say, why? Two reasons. One, the cost is great. You know what it costs you if you really help people find and follow Jesus? You know what the cost is? I'll give you a tip. I'll give you a clue. What did it cost Jesus to transform you? What it cost him to transform you? It cost him his life. What do you think it's going to cost you if you're a part of the transformation of another human being? It'll cost you your life. In one of, the, in one of these sermons, I'm going to say more about that. There's a cost. You're going to have to lay down your life for other people. Hey, you know what it takes to do that, don't you? Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. If you don't, if you're not driven by this insatiable love for God and this unselfish love for people, you'll never give your life up to this mission. And if you don't give your life away to it, you won't succeed at it. Now, if that's not hard enough, there's a second reason I think we abandoned it. The resistance is so great. Listen, we could make a list right now of things that we're gonna do. Golden Corner Church, we're gonna do this. And the list would be almost inexhaustible of things that would bore the devil to tears. Well, let's do that. You know, I can just imagine a demon running up to, to, to Lucifer and going, hey, just a word to the wise, golden corner's gonna do this and this and this and this and this and this. And I can just see him go, Ugh. Who cares? I'm going to tell you the one thing. That'll get his attention. and Get him involved. And bring his resistance. You sincerely try to help people find a father of Christ. He will get in the game. And you know what happens? His, his, his resistance at times will be so intense... That if you are not compelled by a love for God and a love for people, you will abandon the mission and walk away. And I want to tell you something, guys. This is is honest God truth. You can just, if you doubt this, man, start visiting churches and see if you tell me the truth. Now, Golden Corner is really trying this, and we're not the only church trying this. And as a matter of fact, we're not the only church in Golden Corner trying to stay on task and on the mission. But for the most part, let me tell you what, I'm going to make a big stab here. Scott Lee, you've been in the ministry for a long, long time. I'm just going to make a stab here. I would say that well over 90% of churches in existence don't even try to do this anymore. You know why? The cost is too great. The resistance too great. So they abandoned this a long, long time ago. And they have now digressed into some kind of a religious social club that meets under the protection of a steeple. That's what they are. So I'm telling you guys, if anything but love is our motivation, we won't succeed at this. So maybe we need to alter our little mission statement. Maybe we need to read something like this. Because to Corner Church loves God and loves people, we hope people find and follow Christ. How's that? So if that's our mission and that's our motivation, what's our method, how are we going to do this, Ronnie? Uh, the, I would answer that with one word, together. We're going to try to do this together. One more verse, New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 16. The Apostle Paul's is writing to a church probably a lot like us, and he's telling them how to be a transformational church. If you want to see lives change, this is what he's saying, this is what you've got to do. He starts off by saying he, speaking of Jesus, makes the whole body of the church fit together perfectly. What Paul is saying here is that Jesus is the architect, engineer, and contractor of the church. That he takes people and he places them in the church exactly where he wants them strategically so that they are a perfect fit. That's what he does. Now look at this. As each part or member... Does its own, nobody else's, its own special work. stop right there because you need to know something. Most of you know this. The moment you were saved, Christ imparted unto you an ability that you didn't have prior to being saved. The New Testament refers to it as a spiritual gift. I don't know what yours is. I could take a good guess, educated guess at some of you because I know you well. But you may have been gifted to encourage people. You may be a gifted organizer or a gifted leader. You may be a gifted teacher. You may be really gifted at just showing love and compassion. Uh, You may be gifted at helping people. There's a gift of service, and your hot button is just helping people. Somebody working, I just want to jump in with them and I want to help them. I don't know what it is, but I know you got it. And this is what Paul is saying. When each member of the church just uses their God-given ability, the special ability, look what happens. It helps the other parts grow. In other words, when you do what God has given you to do, it has an impact on the people in your church, and they grow. They begin to grow spiritually and evolve into Christ-like people when you do what God designed you to do. He goes on to say, and, and as a result, so that the whole body is healthy spiritually and growing. Now, this doesn't. This is this word "growing" is not talking about spiritual development. It's talking about numerical growth. And what Paul is saying is, as each member of the church does, uses their ability, their special ability, they just do their. Part not only do saved people grow, but unsaved people will be saved and added to the church, and the church grows numerically, and he goes on saying, and it'll be healthy and growing and full of love. And what Paul just tell these people about becoming a transformational church. He said, The way it's going to happen is when you act and function like a team. When each member of the church simply does their part. I'm not supposed to do Matthew's part, he's not supposed to do mine. I don't do Andrew's part, she doesn't do mine. You know, all burl has got to do, James, I guess I should say, James. All James has got to do is James' part. He don't have to do Lynn Lee's part, just his. We all just got to do our part. What Paul is saying here, it's just this simple. When each member does their part, God gets involved and transformation takes place. Place, and the unsaved are saved and the saved begin to grow and transformation is the byproduct of God using people working together as a team. Therefore, we're going to try to do this together. Now, why are you telling us this, Ronnie? Because here's what I, I, I want each of you to I want you to see how incredibly important I want each one of you are to this mission. If any one of us says, not doing my part, you know what it means? Somebody in this congregation won't be growing spiritually as they could and should. Somebody pays a price for that. Anyone says, I'm not doing my part, there's somebody's life in this community won't be changed. That's the power of one. It's kind of like we are all links in a chain that connect. God to some human being he's trying to transform. And if any and all of us are a link and if any one of us becomes the weak link and the chain breaks there's a life that won't be changed that's the power of one. That's how important you are. On the other hand, what if we all work together? And I'm wrapping this up, man. Please hang with, hang tight with me. What if we do our part? You know, we we just had Praise Week. That's kind of a week-long ministry, you know, targeted toward students. And and we just kind of do everything to their taste, their like. And uh, I got to attend every week. I I wish I had time to tell you how many ways I was blessed by going to Praise Week. I'm going to tell you one. Every night I, I watched and I paid attention and I could see how the people who were there were working together as a team. Man, it was a well-oiled machine. There were staff members who were there, and they all knew their part, and they were faithful to do their part. There were adult volunteers everywhere. They all knew their part. They were doing their part. We had student leaders who knew their part, they did their part. Our students—they uh, knew their big, their biggest part for us is to get our friends here. Opening night, we had 130 students. Final night, we had 170. I sat back every night in amazement and watched this teamwork. Watched this teamwork. Everybody doing that. Everybody's goal was transformation. We want somebody's lives, somebody's life changed. Everybody just doing their part. Now Wednesday night. Tim McCall, who was, who was our speaker the first three nights, he, he challenged those kids. You know, I, I want, if, you, if you don't know Christ, I'm going to challenge you to make a decision to accept him tonight. And maybe you do know Christ, but you've never really taken you know, your, this, this seriously. And you're not trying to follow Christ. I'm going to challenge you to make a decision. You know, to, be, to, to really be specific about this. And man, he, they prayed together and then he said, Now, here's what I'm going to ask. If you made a decision tonight, I'm going to ask you to stand up where you're right where you're at in front of God and everybody. And I want you to walk out behind this tent where, you know, that's where uh, Jake Black, our student pastor, is going to be. And Trey Yoder, you know, the guy who helps him, they're going to be out there. And so, man, I want you to look at what happened. Trey put that up there for me. You see that? You see that? Forty-one students got up out of their chair and walked out there and talked to Jake and Trey and said, I've made a decision to accept him and I've made a decision to follow him. Listen, here's the good news. When we all just do our part, God gets involved and lives will be changed. And that's what happened at Praise Week. And guys, that's what can happen in our church every week when we begin to do our part. So, maybe we need to alter our mission statement one more time. It is 12 straight up and down. You hadn't missed a thing. You got it? You hadn't missed one thing. <laughs> let's, 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 let's adjust this mission statement one more time because Golden Corner Church loves God and loves people. We work together to help people find and follow Christ. Are we on the same page now? You got it? You like it? Because if not, I'm in a lot of trouble because I don't have a plan B. <laughs> uh, I think the reason I wanted to read so many verses this morning, I want you to see that your leadership is doing their best to take a book, an age-old eternal book, and read it and study it and determine exactly what does God want us to do as a church, and then implement that. That's all we're trying to. And, and I wanted you to see that. And here's the deal: I've brought you to, to a question. Same question I brought you to last week, unfortunately. And the question was: Okay, if everybody's going to do their part, what's our part? Well, if I'm alive next week and I'm here and you're here and we're all like this together, I'll do my best by the end of that service to have answered the question. And when you walk out of here, you'll know your part. Is that good? Let's pray together. God, you're so good. Thank you for choosing us to be a part of the team. I thank you for every person that you have brought into Golden Corner Church and placed them so perfectly right here. God, I don't want anybody to be intimidated about what we're talking about. I want everybody's heart and mind to be open to discovering what their part is. And more importantly, help us do it. Help us help each other grow. Help us help each other win our neighbors, our friends. Uh, In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a good day.